Welcome along to the New Zealand Tech Podcast. This is episode 195. I'm Paul Spain. And I'm Andy Schick. Welcome along to the show, Andy. How are you? I'm good. I'm very good. Excellent. Now, for those that don't know you, where do you fit into the, the broader technology community in New Zealand? A long time ago, I started a little company called DataLock. It backed up a whole bunch of data to the cloud and then kind of moved on to there. It got bought by MaxNet, which got bought by Vocus Communications. And then um, <clears throat> actually kind of along there, we started an ISP called Fix, which kind of introduced global mode for about four days. And I think the last time I saw you was the day that um, where the, that stopped. The plug was being pulled on it, wasn't it? The, the plug got very pulled very quickly. It lasted about four days. And then um, then kind of left um, that, that arena and then ended up at Network for Learning, which is a, an interesting technology play into the education space in New Zealand. Cool. All right, we'll dive in and have a bit of a chat about network uh, for learning a, l- a little bit later. Um, but first up, I'm curious about your thoughts on uh, on on global mode now. It's becoming uh, a little bit more accessible. Of course, uh, Slingshot uh, launched it, and then uh, Slingshot acquired uh, Orcon, and now uh, Orcon have uh, have launched it. launched it. So, um, what do you? How do you consume content uh, yourself? Well, um, what I really love is when I can watch my live TV over my internet connection. And for some reason, I just don't like the idea of getting of content via an antenna, even though it's perfectly fine and I've got 100% signal. I just like that it can come over the internet, and I think that speaks to the geek um, that's in me. Um, but I am, I am 100% um, on demand. I want to watch what I want to watch. I want to only pay for what I want to get. Um, and so, look. So, you're not a big Sky TV fan then? No, and if I was, probably global mode back then wouldn't have wouldn't have started and and one of the ceos of a different isp back in the day when we started fixing the original global mode said to me look it was only a matter of time it just took just someone needed to go first out of the gate to see what legal things were going to happen and you know and and i guess history is written um and told now that that other isps have come out and and done it and it's maybe not such a big deal um that we caused back in the day um but i'm absolutely uh, i don't want to i don't want to watch ads um I would rather pay for content. And one of the very frustrating things that I have found is watching Nigel Latter and doing it on demand and being forced to watch those ads when actually I could just record from my Samsung TV onto my hard drive and at least I could fast forward those suckers. Yeah. So, you know, they're getting back to an interesting play where um, now I'm consuming content the way that I want to. I can choose my program when I want to watch it. And now they've got these sneaky little ads in there. So if, you know, TVNZ, if you can put a little paid option out there so I don't have to watch your ads, go for it, do it. Yeah, I, th- I think it would be, it'd be nice to have uh, more more options. Although I'm sure the subscription video on demand services like uh, uh, Quickflix and uh, Lightbox and and so on would uh, would not be quite so quite so keen, right? No, um, no, probably not. And uh, yeah, I guess one or two people are asking for them to make their content available the opposite way, which is to say, hey, can't you make your service free yeah. and give me some ads? Yeah, so uh, so, so you can't please everyone. No, right? no, people do do enjoy having that uh, that choice. Yeah, you can always go for go for some choice though, and yeah. you know. And the other problem is with with the licensing lockups. I need about five or six subscriptions to get everything that I do want to get, and so we you know we talk about um, you know piracy or, or downloading or even accessing things via Netflix and Hulu. Well, 
at least accessing things via Netflix and Hulu means the actors, the actresses, the the guys sweeping the, the stage floor, and they all get paid that way. And that's really, really useful. That's a really good way of doing it. And think if we're bypassing a broken model in New Zealand, then it's not the end of the world. Yeah, it's better than uh, piracy, isn't it? They're, uh, the money is going back to those who, who put the content together. Yeah. Now imagine and this concept. Here's a, here's a business idea for free. The pirate pay. You pay the money. You pay some money for every episode that you want that you watch to you know some organisation called the Pirate Pay, and that organisation goes and disperses the money back to the studios and you know just posts a check out every three months, going, "Hey, here's the people of the world who pirated these movies, these TV shows." Uh, but they wanted they did it because they just needed access, and they were actually quite willing to pay if you didn't have such a business broken business model. And then let's just go and you know filter that stuff back to back to the studios. I reckon it's a, worth a shot. Oh, well, we'll look forward to you setting it up. No, no, I'm not doing it. Whoever <laughs> wants to do it, go for it. I'm, I, yeah, that's, that's not right. my cup of tea. Anyway. Now, um, our discussion topics, we've got, uh, um, well, one one new gadget here. This is one we talked about a couple of months ago. Uh, it's finally landed in our hands, a Tablet 10 from Lenovo. Now, this is a, um, a fairly sort of sleek 10-inch uh, Windows, Windows tablet. Uh it sort of very much feels like a, an Android tablet in terms of its uh, its size and, and weight, doesn't it? It's not yeah. sort of a big, chunky no. uh, device that has any sort of you know, relation to a, uh, a a laptop, put it that way. Um, what are your thoughts? You've had a, you've had a quick quick look. Yeah. Um, we've just had it had it come uh, come through uh, with some updates and some software things that have been done on in the. Uh, in the other room, what yeah. do you think would it be useful, useful to you? Now we don't, unfortunately, have any of the accessories uh, with it. This is all we've been able to get off Lenovo at the moment is the device on its own. So it's very much a tablet, but it is designed to be able to be used as assess- with some accessories. So you potentially could use it as a as a small uh, laptop replacement with mm. some of those accessories. Yeah, I mean the the, the touchscreen is accurate. You got to get to your little your little close box up in the top right hand corner. Um, <clears throat> I haven't used Windows eight very much, but if you're a Windows eight user looking for a tablet, I would. Um, this seems very nice. Yeah, and I guess uh, you know one one of the things is that the work that Intel have been doing behind the scenes with bringing down the uh, uh, the size of their chips and you know well primarily the uh, uh, the lower you know, battery requirements and uh, you know low, lower power. Um, it means you're actually putting a reasonable amount of power in the hand of the, the user here uh, with this with this type of tablet. So, yeah, I think it's um, it's good to see more of these things sort of trickling down to the New Zealand market. Unfortunately, one thing I have noticed recently is because our market here is is such a small market, there are some products that just don't hit, right. or when they do hit, they're a little bit late, or they hit and they're maybe. Um, they're not available with uh, with all the all the uh, all the accessories. So uh, yeah, that that can be that can be a little bit frustrating. But um, yeah, we're talking about a um, an Atom processor in these. They run uh, Windows eight point one. It's a quad core CPU. Um, so yeah, a bit of grunt up to uh, I think uh, two point four uh, gigahertz that they can uh, they can run when they're um, when they're hooked into uh, power. And uh, I think that one's a 64 gig uh, SSD storage. So, Jeez. in terms of your, you know your computing power, it's mm. um, it's actually uh, yeah they're they're reasonably capable depending on the the specs you get in at. And um, 
yeah, worthy of consideration for for those that are uh, uh, looking for the the tablet that can actually uh, um, yeah run your traditional PC applications as well as all the Windows you know eight point one uh, you know tablet apps that you'd be used to from using on uh, on Android or or iOS. Not quite the same catalogue, but um, you know most of the big ones tend to be tend to be there now. Yeah, but I mean the advantage of it running on Windows gives you Windows based <clears throat> programs that you wouldn't find in a in an Android app store or an iOS app store. Um, you know, being a marketing manager, I generally deal with words and pictures. So if I need to make a quick uptick to a to a photo. Um, you know, if this is powerful to, to run a light version of Photoshop on it, then that'd be pretty spectacular. Yeah, absolutely, and and you can run all those uh, run all those sorts of things. So uh, yeah, so long may there, may there be plenty of uh, competition in this space. Uh, the other product we, which we talked about in recent weeks uh, is Microsoft Surface Pro Three uh, that launched here in New Zealand uh, late last week. And uh, accessories and so on starting to become uh, available. I've been playing around a little bit with uh, that it, with its new docking station. Um, the one recommendation there for anyone doing the same thing is make sure you get all of the software updates and firmware updates on before you go too far. Mm-hmm. Um, other, otherwise, you do run into some some issues, uh, as I did when I jumped jumped in a little bit uh, a little bit too quick. So um, I'll certainly be re- re- reporting back a little bit more in the future. Um, on that on that experience, but a really nice dock um, is you know, is now shipping and available in New Zealand for the Surface Pro Three, uh, which with the Surface Pro Two, the dock just wasn't launched in New Zealand at all, oh, which right. was you know rather rather disappointing. Uh, the other thing is there is a three year warranty available now on the Surface Pro Three, uh, having been launched in New Zealand. Depending on which channel you buy it through, so if you buy it through a retail channel. They're targeting consumers. You can't get that warranty, but if you buy it through uh, one of the one of the sort of corporate uh, channels, and you can get that uh, that three year uh, warranty, which is yeah. uh, is pretty essential in business. You don't want oh, yeah, a absolutely. device that that doesn't have that uh, doesn't have proper warranty on it. So uh, yeah. Um, now jumping on to other news, um, Uber they've uh, yes. they've launched Uber Secret in Wellington, which is sort of trial mode for. Uh, for Uber, so I, great news. Yeah, I wasn't too sure, you know, whether Uber would sort of keep spreading around New Zealand or whether Auckland was sort of a, a you know, such a small market for them uh, that that would be their limit for New Zealand. But uh, Wellington's very different in that you, you know, you see far more taxis flying around Wellington than you do in Auckland anyway. So smaller population, but I would bet you the 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 number of cabs that are flying around Wellington might even match Auckland, maybe even a bit more. So yeah, I take a, I take a cab in Wellington. Mm. Most weeks, so that's pretty pretty useful for me. Yep. And you're a fan of the the Uber way of uh, of catching a catching a cab, getting a private car, as they call it. Private car. Uh, yeah, a, a really big difference to um, between what I've what I found Uber in New Zealand or in Auckland at least, and Uber over in Oz um, last week and 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 a month or so ago. Um, very nice, luxurious cars in Australia, um, and less so. Here in Auckland, yeah, because um, we've just got the Uber X service, don't we? Which is the discount version of Uber. Yeah. Uh, whereas in in a lot of the other markets, that, you know, they've they've got, got the Uber um, Black. Yeah. Uh, and I think I was lucky um, in in the, my last two Australian experiences where I got Uber X, um, but I was really getting a car that was just on its way to becoming a black. Uh, so you know, they were just about to graduate. So maybe I've got a false sense of um, of Australian Uber awesomeness. 
And uh, you had any of that sort of special treatment that some of the Uber drivers do to get a five-star rating, like give you a bottle of water or uh, uh, give you Wi-Fi in the car or anything no, like that? No, special treatment, just some really good conversation, actually. Yeah. Um, and to be honest, I completely forgot to give my, give my, drive, my last driver a star rating, so thanks for the yeah, reminder. Okay. They, don't, they don't remind you if you forget either. Um, so you know, maybe that's a, that's a tip, because I, I certainly do want to, to give that rating. It's important. Yeah, and I, f- I found if you rate them down, they do investigate. And uh, one of the first uh, drivers, Uber drivers that I um, uh, travelled with, uh, I, f- I found out later on that he was no longer an Uber driver. So oh, right. they actually need to do a really good job and be pretty sharp. Yeah. Otherwise, they get um, excluded from uh, from the service. Right. Uh, which, yeah, I guess there's two, there's two sides to that, but uh, you know it means they're setting some standards anyway. Mm. Oh, and I've certainly taken plenty of taxis um, from conventional taxi companies who whose drivers should definitely have been excluded and probably a long time ago. So yeah, it's nice okay. having a rating system. In yeah, yeah. Um, now on the uh, on the flip side, it's great they've launched in Wellington. Um, at the moment, the service is free, so that's that's really nice. Um, only around Metro Wellington. And because the service is free, and because they're they're just getting started with uh, with with bringing drivers on board, uh, not a lot of vehicles available. The most I've seen available at any one time uh, in Wellington City is three, uh, and sometimes there's none. So that varies. I haven't seen any Uber vehicles available at Wellington Airport at all. Uh, although that is often the case in Auckland as well. Mm. So it is a little bit hit and miss. In fact, I got off a flight the other day. And was a little bit naughty. I was still on the plane, and I um, I didn't want somebody else to get the Uber. I wanted to get my ride home, so yeah, yeah. Uh, so I sort of booked him a little bit early, and then pinged him and apologised for keeping him waiting, of, of which I got billed for. Uh, Fair but enough, uh, so of I, which I well, I asked to get billed for. Yeah, I, you yeah. know, look, I'll uh, yeah, I'll, I'll definitely yeah. So yeah I, I tweeted it. them the night before landing in Auckland, saying, "Hey, if you can just arrange someone to be in around Auckland Airport around about that time," which they said, "Yeah, no, yeah." Do it and, and oh, it good tip! Yeah, good so, tip. All right. Um, actually, Social renegotiating media rules. your mortgage via Twitter produces some spectacular results as well. So excellent. Yeah, and which tip. which bank? BNZ. I ended up going with, which was a surprise. Yep. Yeah. Um, but absolutely blew every other bank out of the water. Excellent. Yeah. Oh, good. Good tip there. Definitely some uh, some some good. Um, some good digital activity going on from BNZ, from the sort of inside things I've seen. They've got a pretty impressive uh, yeah. digital team internally, about 120 people, uh, and uh, and, a, and a social media team. So, yeah, some good uh, innovation coming out of the uh, uh, the, the team there at uh, at BNZ. So, well, and well done them if they're winning business that way. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, now, some interesting bits and pieces in 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 the news uh, lately. Uh, now let's jump in to start with Video Easy. Uh, not a company you would sort of traditionally think of as a uh, um, as go forward sort of innovative uh, digital uh, player mm-hmm. within the market. Uh, but but today under the Video Easy brand uh, in New Zealand, they've launched. Uh, Movie rentals via um, via an on de- an on demand uh, channel, so you don't have to walk into a, a store to uh, to rent a movie. Very good. So doesn't sound like innovation. It sounds like catch up. And yeah. I think being in the digital space is being an innovative company. I think it's just catching up to where normal should be. 
So, yeah. They, well done for, for catching up. It's good. You're still in the race. Well done. It's interesting. So what we've found about this service so far is it appears to be uh, just a clone of an existing service called uh, EasyFlix that's mm-hmm. on the market. In fact, if as we, we did a few minutes ago, you put the two uh, sites side by side. They looked pretty similar, didn't they, Andy? Yeah, even the the company name at the bottom of the of both pages the copyright. was the same. And yeah. the copyright. And, and neither of them are uh, New Zealand uh, co- uh, companies. So No, so there was just a... Um, yeah, so... and. Interesting to see, but it looks to me uh, like pretty much just a marketing deal for Video Easy. Uh, I guess it helps get them a little bit of extra publicity into the market uh, for you know, Easy Flick service by um, you know painting a new face on their, their website, having a new uh, version of it takes them to a um, uh, a broader mix of customers. Interesting that uh, Video Easy is saying that a slice of the revenue based on people's postcode will go back to their local franchise holder in their, in that area. So I don't know how many cents out of a, a $6.99 for a standard definition and $7.99 for a, a high definition uh, movie rental will go back to the... Uh, to the local store, but I'm not sure it's going to be enough to keep many of these guys in business. I just don't think DVD and Blu-ray rental stores are going to be around for uh, for a whole lot longer. Well, it's an interesting business proposition for the for the local franchise owner. So they are being used, and their brand that they've been you know pushing out there in the local community for a long time is being used to promote an online store, which by definition stops foot traffic coming into their store and then presumably getting the, you know, the largest slice of the revenue pie. Uh, and they're getting you know, a percentage of already a small percentage coming back to them. You know, the largest percentage is going to be going to, to easy. No, to, who's, the, who's the, the, the company behind the company? Oh right, uh, easy, fl- easy, e- easy, well, flicks. E- easy, easy flicks uh, yeah, yeah, parent, uh, parent company. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So you know they're going to get a a, a, a very small um, return for you know putting the brand out there and saying, hey, you can do this online. Don't come back and spend any more money here. So it seems a little bit a um, little bit sore, I think. Yeah, it's um, it is it's. Yeah, I, I think we're going to see more and more of these these types of uh, manoeuvres. But uh, yeah, I mean, good on uh, it's Access Digital Entertainment Pty Limited, who are uh, the company listed on on both websites, and you know, good on them for finding a way to broaden um, you know broaden their presence. Because I've got to say, uh, Easy Flicks isn't isn't a brand that's had a whole lot of attention in New Zealand. And uh, in fact, most people that I've mentioned it to today have. Um, well, haven't heard of them. You hadn't heard of them before, had no, you? No no. no, no. So I think that's a that's a, a reasonably common uh, common story out there. Yeah. All right. Uh, now, in uh, in other news, this was something that uh, that Bill Bennett reported on is that uh, apparently service sales are uh, are on the increase. So yeah, here we are with a world where things are moving to cloud and internet hosted um, whatevers. Uh, and uh, yeah, server uh, server revenues have apparently uh, have apparently climbed two point five percent in the past year, according to uh, IDC um, in their uh, quarterly worldwide uh, server tracker. Uh, so yeah, twelve point six billion US dollars uh, 
of um, service sales in the second quarter of uh, 2014. Uh, interestingly, HP have moved ahead of um, uh, IBM in their market share. They're uh, just over 25%, and uh, IBM are sitting there uh, 23.6%. So yeah, lot, lots of uh, lots of servers still uh, still going out and being used. Now it's not clear from these stats uh, how many of these servers are actually going into uh, into cloud environments mm, uh, because there are some say. players like uh, Google, for instance, who uh, you know they're not going out and buying off the shelf servers. Their things are getting built specifically. Uh, you know, they're building mm. stuff specifically to fit into their data centers. Mm. But then there are other players who build their cloud. On the back of uh, yeah traditional server infrastructure, yeah, yeah. so you can imagine that will be generating actually new business as uh, uh, more uh, cloud-based uh, systems are uh, are put in place. So are we reaching a point where the um, the consolidation of power from from the the cloud services has reached to a point where we kind of consolidated all the way down? So every CPU was just pumping out a whole lot of stuff, and we kind of got to that point, and now. We're just getting more and more and more and more and more cloud services. We need more power in the cloud. We need more storage in the cloud. So, you know, it doesn't surprise me that server sales are going up. I just think they're just going to be going to a few uh, a few fewer addresses. Mm. And interestingly, I heard uh, today, and I've heard this before, but it, w- it was mentioned by somebody at HP that uh, PC sales have, have um, you yeah, know, have started increasing Again, you know, wow. as as well in the last year, uh, so yeah, there was all that sort of thought about everything, uh, everything moving to uh, mobile devices and mm. and the like. But uh, actually, traditional PCs are uh, you know are doing just fine, thank you. Much I'm sure to uh, Microsoft and Intel's uh, yeah. um, relief. That's uh, I used a PC this year. I quite liked it. What did you do with it? I was at a training course. And so I spent two days on a on a PC. Uh, it was an Apple PC. Oh, sorry, is that an oxymoron? It was an it was an iMac. Okay. It was, yeah. It's a person. It's a personal computer, but um, uh, yeah, 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 but not of the um, of the brand sense. And it was very very nice. Nice big screen. It was quite nice upgrading from a from a thirteen inch to twenty seven or whatever it was. It was lovely. Yeah, quite a different experience from working on your laptop then. Yeah, yeah. kind of felt like I needed to move my head back to. <laughs> yep. Get these pixels away from me. <laughs> now, uh, I'd I'd like to jump in. There's a there's a couple of other bits of news before before we um, dive in and and chat network for learning. A um, couple of other bits and pieces of news that we're expecting over the next few days. So uh, next week we're expecting the big the big announce from from Apple. So uh, all sorts of discussion around what the uh, what the iPhone, new iPhone is going to be like, whether we're going to see an iWatch or other wearables from Apple. Uh, now we've got IFA on in Berlin, which is one of one of the world's sort of big big technology uh, events within the top sort of three or four events that happen uh, happen each year. Uh, lots of announcements due there imminently, so uh, we'll discuss some of those really in more detail next week. Uh, but Samsung's Galaxy Note 4, uh, the potential for Samsung to do uh, some sort of type, maybe with Oculus Rift, in terms of delivering a, uh, a headset that may work specifically with that Galaxy Note 4 for, uh, uh, for virtual reality. So that could be uh, could be kind of cool, uh, and uh, we're hearing that that Sony are uh, are on the verge of launching their uh, 
their Xperia Z3, which they you know they have the smartphone, they have the tablet. Now you've got the uh, we've got one of the the Xperia Z2 sort of sitting here. Um, quite a nice handset, but it's uh, it's been certainly less than six months since it landed here uh, in New Zealand, and this is the cycle that Sony have moved to 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 help reposition themselves within the within the mobile world. Uh, is that uh, rather than wait sort of around 12 months like uh, like most of the other vendors are doing, they've got this one flagship product that uh, that they're tending to launch um, or update every every six months, uh, and they've got uh, they've got a tablet version, they've got the phone, and uh, also a, uh, a sort of a mini version uh, is what we're hearing around the um, around the Z3. Um, what's your thought on the sort of the style of the hardware? Because it seems to have kept mm. fairly similar from the Z that we were looking at earlier through to uh, through to the Z two. Uh, each iteration sort of gets a little bit more uh, refinement, but yeah, really nice with a twenty megapixel camera in yeah. there, and and quite a uh, you know a stylish um, look to it, as well as that sort of waterproof aspect and the latest version of Android. So waterproof is, is interesting to me because I wonder how many people actually take their devices out on the phone and get water damage, and maybe it's higher than I expect. I'd probably like it if I could figure out how to turn it on. Um, oh, has it gone, um, gone to sleep? Maybe I no, ran, I maybe I ran, the, uh, I ran the battery out, or did I, did I turn it off before? Yes, I forget. Yeah, I've just come away from spending time um, with a larger Android device, and while this isn't as big, I think, yeah, I know. Boxy, it's on the larger side. Mm. Um, it, you know, it is quite square, but if it fits the ecosystem that you're going for, probably quite lovely. Mm. Yeah, I'm far more about software than I am about hardware. I've discovered after six months of uh, of playing around and coming back to iPhone, um, iPhone just started getting very locked down, um, telling me what I could and couldn't do. And I really loved the idea. Grass is greener on the other side. Of imagine just being able to do anything with an Android device. Um, Alas, I'm back on iPhone after oh, well. six months. There I even go. gave my iPhone away so that I was fully committed. Yep. Um, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, well, I tend to make that sort of, you know, change. And, uh, you know, my way of doing it, I guess, is to make, you know, whatever the new device is, my primary device. Right. Uh, and, uh, you know, the last uh, yeah, two or three weeks, that's been with uh, the Nokia Lumia uh, 930. Mm-hmm. Re- really nice phone um, and, and yeah, pretty good experience overall. Uh, but yeah, every platform you're on, you'll you'll miss something that you get used yeah. to on the other platform. And yep. I'm sure there's probably one or two things, having oh, gone yeah. back to iPhone, yep. uh, that you miss about Android. And when you're on Android, uh, you'll miss things about uh, you know iPhone in one way or another. So oh, yeah. there's no Definitely. there's no perfect world, is yeah. there? And then the more you move around, the more you're dissatisfied in general. I think <laughs> the nice thing is all the platforms are iterating pretty regularly. And uh, if you get a you know top of the line phone, um, you tend to get you know on the Android, you tend to to get you know, updates for a little while. Yeah. Um, that's probably well, it certainly is smoother on the the iPhone or uh, or Windows Phone side, but they mm. tend tend to get updates. And uh, you know, we're we're expecting some interesting uh, you know things to come through with with um, the next iPhone in terms of uh, you Very. know software side as well as the hardware. Uh, now, um, network for learning. Tell yes. us tell us what the, what network for learning is why it exists and this, I guess there's sort of two key areas yeah and um, yeah just give us a little a little bit of a, a picture yeah so why why network for, for learning exists it's really um, it's it's part of an overall government ministry of education strategy to make New Zealand's education system a bit 
um, more future ready, a bit more world ready. Um, and so that's yeah, from a from a teacher's perspective and all the, all the way um, through to, to students um, and system in general. So we were given two tasks, one very specific on how we execute it and one very broad in how we fix a particular problem. So the first thing was build and manage network. So this was as much as possible inside of these particular boundaries that we've given you, go and solve as much of the the infrastructural problems when it comes to internet delivery uh, into into a school. Mm. Uh, so leveraging off the back of UFB, RBI, and now four or five other private company, local local fibre companies, if I use that term in the lower case sense of the word, like um, like CityLink and Wellington. Right, uh, so it doesn't like matter what the, what the infrastructure is, just whoever's got the best network that can reach that particular... Uh, or reach reach into a school, then um, then you would utilise it. Uh, yeah, I mean, we've still got to do a big, broad commercial deal with them. So UFB and RBI um, by default. And then Palmerston North, for example, they don't have UFB or RBI going into the schools because they already had Inspire. So we, we worked with those guys down there. Awesome guys, brilliant network. Um, and we just kind of plug, plugged our back, um, backbone into, into theirs. Right. And then away we go and we're utilising their fibre there. So, um, <clears throat> so, so in the overall scheme of it, how important is the UFB, the ultra-fast broadband network, and, and RBI, the Rural Broadband Initiative, how important are those to sort of building this network to start connecting schools together? Absolutely crucial. So um, the way that we see it is that we're getting every school on the same page so that they can move move forward in this in this world of digital technology and learning with digital technology um, at the same pace or helping out each other so we're coming away from an environment where uh, where schools were competing against each other in a in a very fierce way particularly in the cities getting them all onto the same page and helping them to share and collaborate and be on the same platform from a technology infrastructure point of view so when you had one school who had 500 um, meg of of bandwidth and you know huge amounts of infrastructure inside of the school they could just go and blast away at, at various aspects that another school down the road just had no hope of doing so and it often didn't come down to to money it came down to to knowledge and the ability to to put this infrastructure in the schools are huge when it comes to comparing them to the average business in New Zealand some of the smaller schools have got more devices more access points more digital stuff technology stuff than the average size business in New Zealand absolutely so, so you're looking at you know we're looking at thousands and thousands of devices on campuses all around the country and that's a real headache to manage mm. so um, and then you go into some of the larger schools I think at Burnside High School that I yeah. went to at Christchurch it's you know yeah. you've got I don't know how many people they've got now. There were a couple of thousand, you know, yeah. when I went there, and I, I think that's grown a grown a fair bit. Um, yeah. That that so ends up being being a pretty complex network in that type complex. of environment. Um, and if I remember correctly, they um, they've got a boarding um, facility there as well. So we're working with Burnside um, at the moment. They've got some fantastic techs on site, and you know we're taking a few philosophies um, into um, into play. We work with local companies, so we've partnered with around 30 IT companies around the country. If, if a school uses an IT company, and off the top of my head, I'm thinking New Era IT, TTS, there's a, um, there's a company down in Christchurch, RCG, um, they've got a lot of schools as customers. Well, we partner with them, we've got a financial, business, commercial relationship with them, and they go and do a whole lot of on-the-ground work. So, you know, they're experts in their local community, they're experts in these schools. Um, we didn't want to roll in and 
you know, start throwing our weight around, it's far better to use the experts in each particular instance. Right. Um, so with Burnside, working as closely with any tech who has a job in these schools, who knows and has to keep on running the thing after we leave uh, with our infrastructure there is really, really critical. So that's, you know... It, it's taken a while for us to figure out that balance. It's a managed network, which means that we take as, as care of as much as possible to deliver the best value, um, taking away the headache, letting principals and teachers do the thing they're there for, like teaching our kids. Um, but when you've got techs there who's who are responsible for looking after the entire holistic system, uh, then we've, we have to figure out really good ways of working tightly to, together or allowing them to say, look, we really want your bandwidth, but we just can't manage. Um, we, we need to manage our own firewall and we need to be able to make changes on the fly. And so they're able to use their own firewalls if they want to do that as right, well. Right, so you've got some flexibility. So what's the main benefit for a school jumping on board with the network for learning from that, that network perspective? That in, that it's taken care of. Mm. Um, we're building, because we don't have a, a remit to deliver um, a profit margin or any dividends back to the government. So our shareholders are the Minister of Finance. Half of our shares are owned by the Minister of Finance and half by the Minister of of education and our remit being a scheduled a um, scheduled for a company is to deliver a social benefit so that means that we can spend more time figuring out how to provide the best support and jump on problems as quickly as possible um, rather than screwing down the hatches and making sure that our profit margins are big so what's what that has turned into is we're delivering a raspberry pi to plug into the back of every router every cline Sorry, there's an acronym. Every any router that we that we look after, so we can monitor the performance and look after the health of that network um, any time, day or night. So we can jump on problems uh, before the school knows that they're happening or as they know that they're happening. Uh, and it also means that we, with the school's permission, if they allow us to further on down the track, I can imagine us being able to start seeing. Um, potential issues or IP conflicts or any number of the thousands of things that can go wrong inside of the network again if the school decides that's where they want us to start moving into right. we can start diagnosing some of that stuff remotely passing that information on to their IT company and go look you might want to look here first because we suspect something might be going over there so give, helping helping the local companies and, and the IT companies get a little bit more visibility and giving a, you know, a, a growing team of excellent engineers um, back at head office um, the ability to just really start innovating and taking away all those headaches great and what's the other side of Network for Learning? So the other side was, uh, instead of being given a, an explicit task to go and achieve, was um, was well, there's a problem around content and resources and services. So go and do something in that space. I'm sure it was a little bit more specific than that. Um, and so our team... Uh, called the Dynamic Services team, they sat down and started looking at a whole bunch of um, the problems that teachers were just facing in general. And so there's this whole problem of teachers just becoming comfortable with technology. But moving beyond the technology, there's there's an area in which each teacher has to keep on reinventing the wheel. We've got this really open, broad curriculum in New Zealand, which is one of the reasons I think that our education system is excellent. But what it means is that each teacher um, doesn't get given a handbook at the beginning of the year and go, right, it's February the 3rd, let's page, turn to page 4. We're going to be learning about this, and this is how we're going to learn it, and you're going to regurgitate 
it back in an exam at the end of the year. That's not how it works in New Zealand, which means that teachers have got the opportunity to take each of their students on a learning journey to get to a good outcome. We all learn really differently. So we've created an online environment, which you can imagine is a mashup of TripAdvisor. So TripAdvisor, you've got a whole lot of hotels and you start rating them. You have conversations around them. Well, this is TripAdvisor for... um, for educational content, for educational services, for non-educational content and services. Uh, so what's an, um, what's an example? Someone goes and says, you know, here's, um, here's this awesome page uh, on the Smithsonian website in America that goes and explains this galaxy. And it's just stunning and spectacular. And it's useful for my year nine science class and a little bit of notes in there. Well, someone else comes along and does a search we deliver all the um, general internet search results in this environment on the left-hand side, and we show all of the stuff that teachers in New Zealand have found useful, and it's all tagged and rated according to what you're looking for. Great. So you can jump in there and go, oh, well, I found this really useful, but for me it was really useful for history for year six. And so you start building up this really powerful catalogue. The other aspect of it is that we are doing deep searches into huge educational content repositories, so digital NZ archives, TVNZ. We just turned on ETV, which is pretty much any TV show that's shown in New Zealand for the last, I don't know, million years, it seems. Uh, So I I did a search for Italy, all of this amazing TV content, and I can just click play straight in there if I'm a a subscriber, which is really, really, really powerful. Yeah, that's cool. And then I can go and follow, um, find and follow other science teachers, um, other history teachers. Uh, And once we start moving into the world of letting students in there, then it gets incredibly powerful. So I can start supplementing the work that I'm doing in my classroom when I'm a a year year 11 geography teacher. I can go and find the other 20 amazing geography teachers um, across the country, and I can start looking at what they're doing in their classrooms and the resources that they're doing. So, you know, I didn't get along with my geography teacher very well. Um, I'm sure he was a spectacular teacher, but uh, me being in a privileged position of being able to access other uh, geography teachers work, you know, would have been really, really useful. Um, you know, so there's lots of different aspects that can go on in this environment. It's very, very, um, it's very social. It's very professional. Uh, and it's, in a, you know, technology, you know, really, really savvy teachers and those who are just starting out on the journey are all, you know, all very excited about this environment and all saying that, you know, it's a potential game changer. So we're oh, well, that, excited about that. That's great. And it, and it's good if both the left and right are uh, are in there supporting these sorts of initiatives because technology, you know, really has to un- underpin our education system will be be something that continues to improve for us to be competitive globally. Well, it's both sides of the ledger too. I mean, you need technology to underpin education. But as we're seeing, we really need our education sector to be underpinning the efforts that we're making into the tech, into the world of technology, especially mm. here in New Zealand. So, uh, you know, hopefully, hopefully there's um, some more effort that goes into that aspect of education as well. Yeah, that's great. Oh, well, thank you very much for your time. Great to hear a little bit about uh, Network for Learning and certainly something we'll be uh, we'll be following your, your progress. Yeah, um, you. Now, how do we keep up to date uh, with what's happening for Network for Learning? What's the website and um, where do we track you down? Are you, uh, you on Twitter? Uh, yes, so um, n4l.co.nz is the website and subscribe to the blog there. That's pretty interesting. Um, we're very active on our N4L Twitter account, so that's at n4lnz. Um, and and you know we have our 
our developers are always on Twitter and we, we develop by Twitter feedback. Um, it's, it's pretty exciting the way that we do things. You know, we'll see a piece of feedback come in and that'll be shipped in the next piece of code in our, in our waterfall, um, waterfall design. And, you know, we, we're really, really agile. So, you know, suggestion comes in and it turns up in, in code the next day. Um, and then me personally, Twitter, absolutely. So Andy underscore Schick, S-C-H-I-C-K, like the razor blade. Cool, cool. Uh, not that I use that razor blade, but yeah, there we go. And <laughs> you definitely don't use a razor blade. No, no, a little bit, a uh, little bit hairy here. So, uh, oh, that's good. Well, thank you very much, Andy. And if anyone wants to track down NZ Tech Podcast, we're at nztechpodcast.com. Uh, our other podcasts are accessible uh, via podcasts.co.nz. And uh, you can track me down on Twitter at Paul Spain. So thanks, everyone. Catch you on the next episode. See ya.